love and life. Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Unless we're being honest with ourselves about who we are and what we're about. None None of that is possible. Single is the new black. Don't wear white till it's right. I'm all about living authentically and finding the best version of you and living life to its fullest. You know, there's an old saying that every crisis is not only a crisis, but an opportunity. So I meet a guy and he's great. He's smart. Karen, we need to pick out the shoes. Successful. This was not what I had anticipated. I had my life planned out. Psychologist, author, speaker, former professor, and musician. Yes, I was a runaway bride. Channel your path to a more authentic you, living an authentic life. Listen to Dr. Karen right now on Love & Life. Welcome to Dr. Karen Love & Life. Hi there, I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Averill. I'm a psychologist, author, speaker, former professor, and musician. You might know me from my latest book, Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right. I'm here on my new podcast. We'll be talking about living and relating authentically in all realms of life. We'll look at how to have true intimacy in romantic relationships, more meaningful friendships, healthier family connections, more productive and fulfilling careers, and we'll learn methods for staying happy, hopeful, and positive, all while channeling a path to a more authentic you, living an authentic life. So I'm here on my second episode of my podcast. I am so excited that you are joining me and also joining me today is my producer, Michelle, because, you know, we ladies, we like a little girl talk. So I want to have this more conversational today. And I'm going to talk about a topic that is very near and dear to my heart and one that has been creeping into the discourse on dating and relationships and love, and it's called single shaming. You've probably heard of it. It's a relatively new term to describe an old concept. It's been around for like a couple years or so. In fact, I wrote an article recently uh, for a website to describe what single shaming is and then really to kind of create awareness that many of us are single shaming even when we don't realize it. Now, it's a term that's also, like I said, it's a newer term, but it's describing something that's been around for a long time. In fact, uh, a psychologist named Dr. Bella DiPaolo coined the term singleism a couple years ago in her book, Singled Out. And she looked at all kinds of different ways through a ton of research that she's done. Uh, She's a psychologist and a researcher, and she's really looking at this singleism as another ism in our culture. Which is just so disappointing that here we are in the 21st century and we can't give permission to people to remain single forever if they choose to or for a long period of time in adulthood when we know that the longer we are single, the more that we learn to take care of ourselves, handle our own emotions. And there's so many benefits of being single that then we do bring to relationships if we're going to have them eventually, like marriage or a partner that you're going to be with for a long time. The years we spend single are really important. I actually used a lot of Dr. DePaulo's research in my book, Single is the New Black, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. So getting back to single shaming, the sad reality is most of us have at some point in time been guilty of single shaming, even if we ourselves were single at the time. When we say things like, oh, well, I know why he's single and we pick out some random quality about someone that we are assuming is the reason that this person hasn't been able to find someone or something that we might say to someone. And and again, we might even mean it as a compliment like, 
How is it that a great girl like her doesn't have a boyfriend? Assuming that she's so great and that somehow even her greatness and her fabulousness has not allowed her to have a boyfriend, but isn't her greatness and her fabulousness enough in and of itself? Or something that I heard one time, and it was such an odd comment, and I, I put it in my book. Someone said to me, I just don't understand what those guys aren't seeing. You're such a catch. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I think the guys are seeing what everyone's seeing. It's just I haven't met the right guy. So single shaming is something that's out there. It's really prevalent and it's really annoying when you're single because the assumption is that marriage is the norm and single is not. And so if you're not in step with the norm, then you're abnormal and something has to be wrong with you or else you'd be taken just like everyone else. Hi, I'm Joey. I'm from Pompton Lakes, New Jersey, and I listen to Dr. Karen, Love and Life. Now, if you haven't been single in adulthood, because some of you guys got married young, and so you really haven't spent any years as an adult single, you might be going, really? Come on. I mean, is this really a thing? I mean, aren't these singles just being like super sensitive and kind of just they need to get over it? But actually, again, going back to Dr. DiPaolo, she's done a ton of research. And one study I just want to just to point out that really clearly exemplifies the, the singleism that's out there, the single shaming that we experience. So for her study, she described two people. And the people had the exact same description in terms of their career, their educational background, their hobbies, what they like to do for fun, their relationships with friends, and so forth. The only difference was one was single and one was married. And then she asked participants to rate how happy they thought these individuals were. And the participants overwhelmingly said that the married person was happier, more content with life. And so even that right there shows that there's this expectation that single people are lonely and depressed and crying their eyes out every night. And so that study right there is a real good example of singleism that exists in our culture. She then tweaked the study And so then she didn't have identical descriptions of the people. In fact, the single person had better education, a better career, had a more fabulous life in terms of hobbies and travel. And yet still, even with the description being much, much more magnificent, the participants rated the married person as happier. So we definitely have a bias in our culture, an expectation that single people are struggling in all these ways. And the data, the research just does not show that to be true. Again, this is according to Dr. Bella DePaula's research. Single people are more active in their community. They're more active in volunteer work. They have a richer and broader friendship group. And we find that married people become more insular. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm married myself now. So Dr. DiPaolo's research really substantiates that there is a bias in our culture against singles. And that's related to the whole singleism notion that she came up with. And it's it's also reflected by the fact that we have a term called single shaming that's, that's out there and really reflective of what singles are experiencing. I've talked to a lot of singles and they feel this. They feel this pressure. They feel that there's this assumption that they're doing something fundamentally wrong, which is really, really tragic, especially when, again, going back to the research, more recent studies are showing that the longer we are single, 
the older we are at the age of first marriage, the less likely we are to divorce. So instead of looking at singles and saying, what's wrong with you? You're not married. We should say, hey, way to go. Way to remain single and not cave to the pressure to be with someone just to have someone around. Way to go and go it alone and, and become strong and to know that you can take care of yourself emotionally, physically, you can pay your own bills, you can carve out your own path. And that is the kind of strength that as you acquire that strength as an adult, then you're better prepared to be married if you do get married eventually anyway. Hi, I'm Miriam Connor and I listen to Dr. Karen Love and Life in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to Dr. Karen Anderson Abril on Love and Life. Go to her website, drkarin dot me. That's www.drkaren with a K dot me. Have any questions or would like to share your story with Dr. Karen? Email her, Karen K-A-R-I-N at drkaren dot me. I want to share one single shaming story from my past because many of you guys know that I dated for 27 years and that is a true true fact not that I ever planned to date that long but I did started dating at 15 and didn't marry Dan until I was 42 so you do the math (laughs) so so I had many many opportunities to be single shamed and I felt that and uh, all the the pressure that I was describing a moment ago those are the kinds of things that I felt as a single and actually led me to write my book but this is a story I don't share it in the book but I did share it on a blog post a couple years ago but I'll share it with you now I call it the bat mitzvah story because I was in a band a couple years ago and the keyboardist in the band, her daughter was having a bat mitzvah. And so I was there with some of my bandmates. And because she was very involved in the music scene in the North Shore of Chicago, there were other musicians there. And so I met some other musicians that I hadn't met before. But here we are just at cocktail hour. We're having some conversation with other musicians. And this guy comes up to me and he's like, hey. And we just strike up a conversation. And he starts telling me about oh, this jam session he's going to have this weekend and I should come and the drummer from my band should come. We should all go because he's going to be jamming out. You know, he's like, we're going to just do, you know, set up a jam session in the basement because my wife and the kids are in Israel for two months. And so I'm just going to be doing the bachelor thing. And he just seemed very excited about that, which is great. I mean, fine. Um... And then he kept kind of just, you know, inviting me a lot. And I felt it was a bit inappropriate for the simple fact that A, he's married with children and B, his wife isn't in town. And so I, you know, but I couldn't, you know, maybe I was just reading into it, whatever. So fast forward an hour, we're sitting down at dinner now and he leans in at some point, And this is probably a couple of glasses of wine in. And he looks at me, he's like, okay, you got to, you got to level with me because I just don't get it. How? Is a girl like you still single? I mean, this doesn't make any sense. And I was, I don't know, 30, late 30s at the time. And I looked at him and I'm just like, I don't even know what to say to that. You know, I, I, what do you, how do I respond to that? Like, I don't know, dude. Like, I just haven't met the right one. Is that ever an option? Is it ever just that the person I'm meant to be with hasn't happened to cross my path yet? But what struck me about that was that my relationship status was fair game 
that somehow he thought it was perfectly reasonable and appropriate to ask me about why I wasn't married when I did not have the luxury, according to my code of what was appropriate and polite, I didn't have the luxury to snap back at him and say, oh, I don't know. Why are you in a marriage where you cannot wait for your wife and two kids to leave the country for two months? I mean, like, how is it that he was perfectly comfortable asking me while I was still single and I was not perfectly comfortable saying, well, why are you in a crappy marriage? (laughs) And this is the kind of thing that singles deal with because for some reason, if you're still single after a certain age when people expect you to be married or in a committed relationship or wherever they expect you to be, your dating life and your relationship status is, is apparently fair game for conversation. Hi, I'm Maureen, and I listen to Dr. Karen Love and Life in Mississippi. You can find me at my website, www.drkaren.me. That's Dr. Karen, D-R-K-A-R-I-N dot me. At Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson, D-R-K-A-R-I-N Anderson with an O. Facebook is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Instagram, I'm at Dr. Karen. And I would love to hear from you. You can email me your story, karen at drkaren.me. Karen, K-A-R-I-N at drkaren, D-R-K-A-R-I-N dot me. Head over to iTunes and subscribe. I'm also on Stitcher, Spreaker, and SoundCloud at Dr. Karen Love and Life. Hi, my name is Dina, and I listen to Dr. Karen Love and Life in Chicago. So single shaming led me to write my book, Single is the New Black. Don't wear white till it's right. And I want to invite my producer, Michelle, to join me in the conversation. Because like I said earlier, it's a lot more fun to talk together about this. So Michelle, are you ready to hop on? I am. I am right here with you listening to this whole thing. It's fantastic. Oh, cool. Half the time I think that most people don't even understand what single shaming is, but they've experienced it. And I myself, like you, I got married, my first marriage anyway, (laughs) later in life. And I went through many years of stresses and being single and people saying, well, what's basically wrong with you? Or feeling those society pressures that you get from like being 30 something and I'm working and going to school, but how come I don't have like three kids and a home and a man or whatever, a marriage? And how come you don't have all that? So what's wrong with you? And I didn't realize that the term really would be single shaming because that's what's happening. Even though I was very productive, like you said earlier, you know, I was going to college or, you know, I was involved in a lot of things and I was happy. I mean, I, I looked great. I felt great. And I felt horrible when I got into my marriage. <laughs> we'll probably talk about someday. So I want to ask you, how did single shaming that you experienced affect you? And how did you weave that into your book? Yeah, because I think the sad, sad reality is that I had started to believe the lies, the lies, like you were saying that like believing the hype that, oh my goodness, there must be something wrong with me. I'd started to doubt myself, which you know is such a really, uh, I talked about it in the first podcast episode about being authentically who you are and really trusting your gut. And I'd started to believe, yeah, that something was wrong with me at some level. I thought, gosh, like you were saying, I had a little plan for my life and and it wasn't going according to the path that I anticipated and so 
I started to go, huh, maybe I need to reflect on what I'm doing. Maybe I am doing something horribly wrong. So, you know, I would do like a lot of people. I'd go to the self-help section of the bookstore. And especially as a psychologist, I wanted to see what other psychologists and researchers were finding about singles. And maybe there was something I was doing that, or not doing or that I could be doing. But when I went to the self-help section, I would see these messages that just seemed really out of whack. I mean, there were things like the 10 things that you need to do in order to meet Mr. Right. And I'm going to be like, (laughs) really? So there's just like this 10 step plan and then he'll show up on a white horse next week. If I do all these, it just didn't, it felt very phony and, and like making promises that I didn't think they could keep. And so, and I didn't like that I would leave the self-help section feeling like worse like well I guess I am screwing everything up and you know I am fundamentally flawed and it just didn't seem fair considering that I had a lot of happily married friends uh, as well as a lot of unhappily married friends let's not forget about that friends that I thought I don't think that they were perfect when they met the one right do you know like this expectation that I somehow had to get it all right before it was going to work out for me right well you know did you feel that too this is my own thought that came to me while I was listening to you speak about this is that this has been something that's been going on since the beginning of time. If you think since, since the old days where women had to be married, you know, to a man that had to take care of the family or certain statures in, in different societies, this has been going on for a long time in societies. Do you feel like that pressure is carried over? It's still in our society today. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what's even more troubling, right? Because we should, I think we feel like we should be beyond that, right? And we can understand even in our mother's day or in our grandmother's time that there would be that pressure because women were really vulnerable then, right? Yes, we don't make as much as men right now, but we still are are way farther along with our career opportunities and the fact that we can actually financially support ourselves solo so that we wouldn't need a man to the same degree, but we still, we as a culture still value men according to their income and their earning potential and their career. So if they can make a lot of money and if they have a prestigious job, that's their most highly valued quality. Women are still valued above and beyond based on their relationships. So women are defined more so by their partner and they're defined more so by their relationships. And now I'm thinking about even kids because once a mom becomes a mom, then that becomes the primary way that we identify her. So we are still much more valued by our relationship status than men. Wow. When you wrote your book, which I absolutely love, what are some of the most important points of your book, Single is the New Black? Yeah, I think one of the things that is really important to me is that I'm providing a a source, a resource that I really wish had been available to me when I was single. For all those 27 years of dating, there was no one else saying at that time, hey, you know what? You're fine. And in fact, look at you. I mean, you're not going to settle and you're not going to just have a relationship just to be in a relationship. You're going to wait for something really extraordinary. And no one was giving me a high five for that. And so I'm so excited to have that message available for women now and and to encourage and empower singles. And I say women, but, you know, I've had a lot of guys email me about, you know, hey, I've read your book. I know it was written for women, but I only wrote it for women because they're the ones who typically buy self-help books, you know, about relationships. (laughs) But yeah, the men who have read it, they're like, hey, it's the same thing for us. You know, after a certain age, if you're not married, then people think that you're just a stuffy old single guy who's set in his ways and he can't 
you know, get out of his rigid mentality. You know, so guys get it too. But um, the important point of the book, like you're saying, is just I want to empathize with what women are going through. And, and instead of being another person out there, and again, I think other authors are very well intentioned. I don't think that they're trying to be disparaging. I, I think they really are trying to be encouraging. They're like, hey, these are the five steps that I did and then I met the one. But it's just not that formulaic. It just isn't. You can talk to like a hundred happy couples and each of them will have a different path. You just can't give people this template. And I think people do it because they really do want to encourage it. And also I think it sells, right? Because if I'm feeling very, very, very lonely, I'm going to go to the bookstore and I'm going to buy the book that tells me in five steps, I'm going to meet the one. <laughs> my book is not going to promise you that. So maybe people won't buy my book because I'm not going to promise them that, but I feel like I'm being real with them. <laughs> Well, you are. I wish I had you during that period of time and stuck you on my shoulder and like had you like a little angel going around and saying, okay, you know, stick to it. You're doing the right thing. You're, you're just waiting for the right person. You know, you, you don't have to go down that road. And those things are really important. And sometimes we, I guess we turn to our friends or whoever's around. And most of the time, the friends are the ones who are in the marriage. And, and you might have a good friend that's in a, in a marriage and, and you're like, oh, I wish I had what they had. And you might have somebody who's going through some hard times or has kids young and then it doesn't mean that you don't want to have happiness and and I agree with you with that singles want to be happy so you're trying to be happy where you are on the way to where you're going I I just wish that I had you around at that period of time for me <laughs> so if anyone listening if they go out and get your book it's 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 a book of empowerment as well and to be strong in who you are and I have a question for you what's a point you make that's different from the other authors that you mentioned yeah well like I said I think they've got you know there's a lot of good stuff out there but my angle is quite different you know first of all it's a it's a self-help book that doesn't promise <laughs> you know this magic formula for meeting the one it just promises that I will give you tools that helped me remain happy and hopeful and positive even after many many heartaches and we'll talk about those in upcoming episodes because I just you know 27 years is a lot of dating <laughs> it's a lot of dating and, you know a lot of heartaches you know I broke hearts I called off a wedding and I had my heart kicked around quite a bit as well so I've been on every side of it so it's different because I, I'm not going to tell you how to snag a guy I'm not going to promise that but I am going to be like your best girlfriend who really gets it because a lot of women are out there and all their friends are married like you're saying and and sometimes the married friends they don't mean to do this but they might kind of just want to hurry up and, and usher you into their realm you know because you know, when, you, when you're all this in the same spot, like at a certain point of life and maybe your college roommates and you're all in the same spot and then five years later, one friend's here, one friend's there, you kind of want to be in the same space again. And so they, they don't mean to, to not get it, but they don't get it. As <laughs> simple as that. But um, I'm going to be your cheerleader as other people are still trying to shame you. And again, I don't think they mean to, but they're shaming you. I'm going to be the one to be like, no, you got this. You just keep doing you, keep being true to yourself, keep being authentic. And also, you know, I'm a psychologist, so it's not going to feel like a textbook, I promise. But there are, in every chapter, I do throw in some research because I also want my readers to understand it's not just about my perspective. I think my perspective really helps them know that I know what they're going through. Because again, I dated for 27 years. But they also want to know that, hey, this is a psychologist and she avails herself of the of 
of the research. And she's going to help me understand that the, the data supports what she's saying as well. Right. You were a professor for, for 10 years. So you, you're ed- also educating people through this process as well, something that they can take with them. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, that's what I want. I want them to have a takeaway message that, that feels very empowering and strong. Um, and you know, the other thing that I want to say about my different stance is that a lot of times when smart, savvy, successful women remain single, they can do a lot of self-blame. And this is what I mean by this, because smart, savvy, successful women have taken charge of their lives. They have gotten the education they need. They've gotten the career they wanted. They've climbed the corporate ladder. They have just gone after it in life. And so when it comes to their love life, they can get really critical of themselves. Like, what? What's going on? Because everything else in my life, I have taken charge and I have gotten what I wanted. I've achieved my goals. And so sometimes they can get very critical of themselves in the realm of of romance. And again, wonder, what am I doing wrong? And here's what a lot of authors will say, well, you know, don't go down that road. You're, it's because of your low self-esteem in this area that you're, you're giving up or you're losing hope. And, you know, you got to boost your self-esteem. And I don't think it's so much self-esteem because when I talk to women, they feel very good about themselves because they know they've got a lot to offer. But I think what happens when they start to doubt themselves and try to examine, like, what am I doing wrong? It's because they want to control their love lives the way they've controlled their education, the way they've controlled their careers. So they figure, if I just figure out this tragic flaw that I'm making, once I identify it, then I can correct it, and then, ta-da, my relationship status, my romantic life will all of a sudden go as smoothly as my education and as my career. And here's the thing, we cannot control our romantic life in the same way that we can control our education and our careers. And that drives successful, savvy women crazy because it drove me crazy too. <laughs> well, what would you want people and readers and listeners, if they get your book, what would you want them to take away? What's the takeaway message for them? Yeah, the takeaway message, I'm just going to kind of reiterate the themes of today's podcast. The, the takeaway message is, you know what, when people say you're doing something wrong because you're still single, you know because you know down deep it's true, and now you even have confirmation because you've read my book, you know you're doing a lot right. And again, frankly, we talked about it earlier, Michelle, like there's a lot of people out there in really unhappy marriages or even mediocre marriages. And again, when I'm talking about women of this generation, we want it all. We want to thrive. We don't want to just survive and get by. We want to thrive, and we certainly want to thrive in our marriages. And there's no reason to settle for anything less than something that's extraordinary in your love life. And so my book is all about, yes, you are doing the right thing by waiting for the right one and not settling for someone who's even just a good guy. If you don't want just an okay, mediocre marriage, then don't have it. But you're going to have to be strong and you're going to need a tool like my book to help you because there's going to be nights when you're going to go to a cocktail party and someone's going to say something asinine about... Why are you still single? And you're going to experience single shaming and you're going to need a little word of encouragement, a little just a a little high five that you're on the right path and that you don't need to cave to anyone's expectations or cower to the pressure. And so the takeaway message is you got this. You're doing great and remain happy, hopeful and positive. Don't wait on anything in life. Go travel. Go live your life. Don't ever think that there's anything that you shouldn't do 
as a single because when you do meet the one, you're going to want to talk about all those amazing experiences you've had, all the fabulous life you've been living, and all the lonely nights and all the tears and all the times when you're like, I'm tired of being alone. All those moments are just making you stronger. I know it's a cliche, but if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger and you will be stronger and you will be better prepared for meeting the right person eventually. It's about working on you, isn't it? It It's about working on who you are to make yourself better so you can actually be there to receive that person that's going to come across your path at the right time. We always get stuck up on, I think, on TV shows and different things. It was like, well, it happens to them, so why can't it happen to me? But uh, great words of wisdom today, Dr. Karen. Thanks, Michelle, and thanks for hopping on and joining the conversation. It's so much fun to talk about this stuff, and, and, and I say fun because I enjoy it, but it's, it's also, I really feel like it's important stuff, and that's the reason I wrote the book, and it's the reason I'm on this podcast. We're going to talk about a lot of things, not just single life, but because I spent so many years single, I, I do feel very strongly that, that the single shaming that's out there, we need to have other messages and other voices to empower and encourage singles because, you know, one of the things that I think about Singles don't have to define themselves by their single status. It's about enjoying your life because you are not defined by your relationship status unless you choose to allow yourself to be defined that way. And granted, I was out there and I was single and I got tired of the assumptions and the labels, but I had to eventually say, you know what? I'm not going to allow you to find me. You can look at me and, and think whatever you want about me and why I'm single, but I stopped allowing that to define me. And once I chose not to step into that definition, then I took the power away from it because I stopped giving meaning to being single. I started looking at it as like, okay, if other people give meaning to it and think that there's something fundamentally wrong with me, then that's their choice. But I'm not going to buy into that. I'm not going to think of myself that way. I'm not going to assume that there's some fundamental flaw. I'm just going to go, hey, I'm living my life to the fullest, trying to be the best version of me. And you know what? If I meet the one someday, that's going to be wonderful. And if not, I'm still going to have an incredible life. And again, because I almost married the wrong guy, we've talked about that before and we'll talk about it more in future podcast episodes, I realize it's so much better to be single and to thrive in a life that's authentic to me than to settle for even a mediocre relationship. That's just, I just didn't want that. I wanted something extraordinary or nothing at all. And I didn't want to ever feel that I was stepping into a relationship just to avoid being lonely. And I have an entire chapter in my book about the stupid decisions that we make, that, that women make when we are just so scared of being alone. What's what's wrong with being alone? We got to love ourselves. You get to the point where you're like, I love me. Of course I want to hang out with me for a while. I mean, that's, that's what we're aiming toward and going for. Those years of living single make us emotionally and psychologically stronger, and they will better prepare ourselves for marriage because something that I talked about in the first podcast episode is that we learn that it's our job to make ourselves happy. And here's the final point I want to make is that true intimacy is not possible when two people are so afraid of being alone that they're clinging together just because they're so fearful of a life without each other. True intimacy is only possible when you're choosing to be together. When you know that you've got this and you're fine solo and that there is no need-based connection. It's only a choice out of desire and I want to be with you, not I need to be with you. That's a huge and profound distinction. So that's another point that I leave in the book and that I'll leave with you today in the podcast. 
Hi, I'm Linda, and I listen to Dr. Karen, Love and Life in Bedford, Kentucky. You can find me at my website, drkaren.me, D-R-K-A-R-I-N dot me. I'm on Twitter at Dr. Karen Anderson. Facebook is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Instagram is Dr. Karen. And I would love to hear from you. You can email me your story at karen at drkaren.me. Please go to iTunes and subscribe. Also, Stitcher, Spreaker, and SoundCloud at Dr. Karen Love and Life. Please let me know if you have any topics you want me to cover. I really want this to be your show as much as it is mine. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, have a great week.